Welcome to Disambiguation. I'm your host, Michael Fawcett. Each week, we interview experts in AI, generative AI, and business automation to help business leaders understand how to use these tools for the biggest business impact. In our show today, we look at improving the employee experience with AI. I'm joined by Mark Bennett, owner, Achieved Results, LLC. Mark, great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. So why don't, why don't you give us a little bit of background and just a little bit about what you're up to now, uh, just to kick us off. Sure. So uh, my background is in software engineering, uh, building products uh, from zero to one. I really enjoy building things from nothing into something. And uh, now AI product leadership. Uh, I have a passion for developing safer, beneficial and innovative products using AI technologies. I've had a lot of success in pioneering cloud-based applications uh, using advanced AI capabilities. And uh, I have a strong belief in AI augmenting human strengths, not replacing them. And uh, I am a, basically a champion for human-centric design. And now I'm excited to be sharing my learning with to help others uh, succeed with AI as well. Great. No, I appreciate that. And 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 I'm excited about the topic today because I haven't really. I mean, we we've had shows about productivity. We've had shows about you know, about all of the other different functional areas, but we haven't really dug into AI as it relates to the employees themselves. I mean, we touched on a little bit in things like customer support call center world where that's certainly a, an advantage, but, but really just to, to kind of dig into this, I, um, I, it's a topic that I know is, is really of interest to, to a lot of uh, business people. So I, I wanted to start kind of at a more general place. So can you, Talk a little bit about how uh, AI is currently being used to enhance employee experience in organizations. Sure. Yeah. Most of what we're seeing today with AI is about uh, helping to automate tasks for employees that they would otherwise have to do manually. Uh, so AI is really good at handling complex uh, tasks that are repetitive. Uh, these are the kinds of things that uh, bug employees to no end, right? It's taking them away from what they'd really like to do. And so you're getting the improvement in uh, productivity because now employees can focus on what their job is really about and not the administrative tasks. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you so you can basically strip away a certain level of um basic tasks so that you can focus more on the uh, higher value task. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so, so what are the, what are the benefits that you've seen when you integrate AI into your employee experience strategy? So what I've seen is that um, the benefit that the, that's coming from this is that you get, well, first of all, increased productivity uh, one area that's really important here is that um, when people, especially knowledge workers, are engrossed in their work, uh, when they have to be taken away to work on some mundane or repetitive mm. task, you get the effect of what they call context switching. And context switching uh, really messes up people's productivity, especially when they're in that flow of work. Um, so number one is getting rid of those kinds of interruptions that come from uh, the, 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 the mundane tasks that people have to take care of. You know, a person's really involved in something and they find out, oh, I've got to like 
handle this particular uh, administrative task. The other is, and this is a little bit more advanced and is more future vision, is um, the fact that people unwittingly interrupt us Mm. because they have a quick question. Oh, I have a quick question for you. Uh, It won't take but a minute. Well, it won't take but a minute, but when it takes you out of that flow, uh, the, the studies have shown it takes people anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour to get back into the flow. Mm. So, uh, you know, again, you don't want to be mad and rude to people and say, you know, <laughs> stop bugging me. You know, sometimes we have these more passive approaches like do not disturb and stuff like that. But <laughs> it's so much nicer to be able to have something that's based off of AI be able to handle a lot of these tasks and a lot of these uh, questions from your uh, colleagues for mm-hmm. you. And so one of the exciting things in the, that we've seen in the future, I don't know, people watching the show, I'm sure you've seen this, is you can now have avatars that look like you, talk like mm-hmm. you in different languages, okay? And these can be powered in the background by basically a knowledge base of what you have. So as long as everybody authorizes this and as long as it's used responsibly, you could have basically an avatar handle a lot of these questions on your behalf. And you could have it look like you or if you feel uncomfortable with that, not. If it looks like you, you probably should have some kind of indicator, like maybe a hat or something that (laughs) lets the person know that uh, this is not the real you, but, you know, is speaking on your behalf. Now, of course, other things can't be done. Like it, it probably you don't want to have it making decisions on your behalf or making commitments. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of times people are just coming to you with a, a question of like, hey, what what's the status on this? Or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what did you say in the last meeting about this? All of this stuff now is available, you know, with mm-hmm. all of this data that's being collected about us that. Yeah. On the one hand, we want to make sure is under our control. But on the other hand, leverage it, make it available as a way to offload these interruptions so that you can stay focused on your work. Yeah, that's interesting. I, <clears throat> I mean, I, I obviously the, you know, kind of the virtual assistant piece of it, I've, I, I've looked at quite a bit. But but the idea of having a, a, a chat bot basically as a way for you to interact with other employees when they, when it's a simple question, when it could deflect that interruption, I mean, that, that would actually be really useful. I, that, that's, uh, that's really yeah. interesting. Another uh, area, uh, just quickly, is uh, helping people live in a 24-7 world. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been working at companies where you have colleagues uh, working you know, 12 time zones away, and mm-hmm. you, you want to be there for them. But a lot of times, uh, you know, sometimes it's just you're they're just you're just answering questions or something like that. And, you know, it'd be nice to be able to focus the real uh, productive meetings to the ones that really need to be done. And the rest of the time you can have either a chatbot that represents you or a, uh, a like I said, a virtual avatar represents you uh, when when you know, they're having a meeting that's 12 time zones away and vice versa. They could have a uh, avatar for you. Now, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, the the comedy uh, that I think some people have seen is uh, if anybody remembers the scene from Real Genius where uh, (laughs) students were bringing in tape recorders to just record the professor's lecture. And as the scene progresses, more and more tape recorders take the place (laughs) of the students. And finally, 
the professor is replaced yeah. by a tape recorder. Yeah. And so we could have a world where <laughs> avatars are just talking to avatars. And of course, we'd want to keep a yeah. close watch on that to make sure that they don't uh, cause a revolution. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it, you know, it is interesting because I I've run, you know, I've managed groups that are, are global and and just trying to find a meeting time that works for people in, you know, California, New York, London and Bangalore. You know, there's there's not a reasonable time that overlaps for any of anybody, really. Right. So, yeah, that that's actually a, that's an interesting idea. Well, you know, <clears throat> over the last year, we've heard so much about generative AI, and and I know that, you know, in general, it's uh, it's kind of democratized interest and and activity with AI, but but I, I'm just curious about you know virtual assistants. How how did how can they improve your productivity? And then how does that turn that around too? I mean, how does that impact the employee? And we talked a little bit about making me more productive, which I guess is good, but but I mean. Are there other things that using that virtual assistant, what other impacts on the employee that we should think of? Right. So the last year, and, and even before this, when uh, mm -hmm. so when ChatGPT came out a year ago, that was a, a big watershed moment. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, though, we'd seen generative AI in the form of uh, creating artwork and, well, mm -hmm. quote unquote, artwork, et cetera. Uh, and what that did was that got everybody thinking generative AI in terms of generation, okay, that it generated stuff, okay. Well, Mustafa Suleiman from uh, DeepMind uh, has a book out now called The Coming Wave, and he talks about the shift from generative AI to interactive AI. And mm -hmm. the interactive AI is available to us today, and that's where I think mm -hmm. uh, real productivity and a real a uh, sea change in the way that work gets done can occur. And part of this, you know, sounds philosophical, but it's mm. taking, um, well, first of all, let's look at it as this is a breakthrough in human computer interaction. Prior mm. to these conversational approaches that ChatGPT uh, supports, everything was locked into how the computer saw things, okay? It, it, yeah. You needed to fill out the forms its way. You you know, even if you had a, a quote unquote chatbot, if you didn't say the words in the exact right way, you got yeah. caught in an endless loop of, I'm sorry, I don't understand that. You know, could you yeah. please pick from one of these you know selections and cause infinite frustration for everybody. Now <laughs> you have perhaps the world's most polite, <laughs> if not gullible, uh, you know, companion to talk to that will just cheerfully, you know, tell, you know, you whatever you want to know. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's incredibly patient if you get frustrated with it. And what this does is it opens up the door for people to really talk to systems without having to be a programmer or, you know, some genius at filling out forms. So what does that lead to? What that leads to is that a frictionless interaction between you and these systems where you can just say, I'm looking for this. You and I have talked before about perplexity. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is, I don't think people really realize just how revolutionary this is over Google. I think people are starting to see articles about this, okay. but in the world where you used to have to like form your search terms just perfectly in order to get what you want, and then you still got back a lot of stuff you didn't want. Perplexity, it, it, 
it doesn't read your mind, but it sure knows <laughs> what you're trying to get to. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like you've told me, uh, I agree, it's perfect for doing research. Uh, yeah. And that has improved yeah. our productivity uh, I- immensely. Yeah, you know, I, I think, um, I, and, and perplexity is a great tool, and I, I and I do use that in place of search a lot. And I think that's an interesting way to think of it because generative, of course, I mean, I know why we call it that, and it certainly does generate, you know, different combinations of new, newer, newish things. But, but, I, but I do admit I like to think of it as as a natural or conversational uh, interaction, right? Because. Uh, I can see over time it does become more and more like a different way to interact with the computer, with applications, with, you know, with that whole virtual space. And it is much more effective in my mind than uh, than than trying to use it the old way in search, for example. And, and the and the point you make, I think, is great that um, that it gives you answers, not ways to find answers that's the difference to me right it, it, it actually answers my question it didn't give me 27 pages of links where i can go yeah. look for the answer to my question <laughs> yeah exactly and now that's a um that's a low-hanging fruit benefit right it's yeah. like it, it really gives me what i'm looking for in terms of answers but we can take this an even step further and you and i've talked about this is that um it changes us in that when it's conversational, it also comes back to you and makes mm-hmm. you rethink your questions, right? So, but in a good way, right? It's not that you didn't formulate your question right, but it actually gets you thinking, have I missed something? Have, uh, you know, a lot of times when we are asking a question, it's the old joke about what's the answer to life, the universe, and, and everything. You know, the, the people, who answered, who asked that question, thought they had it figured out. Like, that's the question we want to ask. What's the answer to life, the universe, and everything? And then the answer came back as 42. They didn't know how to interpret that, right? And it's because they weren't asking the right question, right? right? So we have the ability now with this conversational approach to really help ourselves get better at finding out what the real question is that we're after, okay? It's not that we... It's not that we're wrong, but that we can be even better at understanding what the problem is and understanding what the situation is. So in a way, it changes us for the better because it's making us think through things and question our assumptions that we didn't question before. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it definitely does make you it gives you the opportunity to refine that thought process over that conversation to get to the answer that you're you're trying to find versus uh, looking for a needle in a haystack, basically. Right. Right. Um, you know, one of the things, and I, I know you've done some work with this, so this would help me, I think. But one of the things I hear a lot about is this idea of a skills-based organization. And and so I, I, I was wondering, first, could you explain that a little bit? Because I, I think that'd be good for the audience. But then also, does you know, what role does AI play in building a skills-based organization? Or, or does it? Yes. So briefly, uh, skills-based organizations are a different way of looking at how work gets done. We're used to uh, organizations where we have well-defined roles and jobs and and so forth. And and that works. It's manageable. It helps to keep things sorted. And when you're trying to find out, um, you know, who should be doing this job, there's all these things that are sort of built in. And we've built over decades, you know, if not centuries, a whole 
hierarchy and a whole way of thinking uh, about organizations in these terms. But as we've seen the rapid change in technology that has occurred, where it's just become exponential, right? You just watch the curve just go almost vertical. Uh, we're seeing that this system is fragile and susceptible. It's just not agile enough and not adaptable enough, fast enough to be able to, mm. to move forward, especially if you have a large organization where you have that infrastructure sort of baked in. So skills-based organization approach says, let's step away from that structure and look at, at things in terms of people have skills, they collaborate, and they get things done. What if we just sort of broke that down into those components mm. and looked at the organization that way? That sounds really good, but you just dispensed with all of this infrastructure that helped mm -hmm. you manage it in the first place in terms of roles and functions and things like that. So now you've put this huge burden on management and on the organization that is really you know, very, very difficult to manage. And so unsurprisingly, there's been a lot of resistance to shifting to skills-based organizations because of these practical issues. Now, where can AI come into play? AI, especially in today's level of what it's capable of doing, has the capacity to absorb all of that information, sort that information, mm -hmm. present it to you in a uh, digestible form, and give management and the employees the tools in which to solve the day-to-day -day issues that they're trying to find out. Who has the information I need? Who has the skills I need? Mm. Who's available? Who Can we put together a project team quickly? Uh, what are the forecasts for what we're going to need in the future, right? Um, if you try to rely on AI to, to do everything just in time, I think that will mm. cause a lot of ripple effects on people's yeah. psyche. <laughs> so if you had, though, a system that could digest all this information and process it, and give you forecasts, you could mm -hmm. then plan and free up yourself from these this baked-in infrastructure mm -hmm. that you had up to this point. Now, I want to make sure that people understand that this is not saying dispense with all of that infrastructure. Just this says, hey, there's a way to look at this through a different lens and see what's available and to be able to react to opportunities and threats in a more agile and adaptable fashion, mm. leveraging the strengths of AI. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's it's really more uh, instead of saying, here's the job and you need these skills, it's saying you have these skills, so here's the job. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a, uh, it is a good way to do it. It's it, you know, Here's the thing that needs to get done. Okay, so we yeah. call it, let's think of job as even more abstract. So not like it's some locked in pigeonhole that you have to fit into. Right. And this right. brings up, you know, my, the point I posted about, which is more and more, and this I think is going to really benefit employee experience is we need to understand that uh, talent is jagged. People have, you know, different strengths and different mm. weaknesses. And there are two ways in which AI can assist in here. One is uh, the thing that, you know, maybe we'll get to separately in our talk, but this idea that, AI can supplement people's skills mm -hmm. and uh, take over areas that they're not so strong in, help them develop those skills, right. and then allow them to focus on their particular strengths. Uh, the other is that this 
this AI can look at the entire workforce from this perspective and see mm -hmm. where uh, project teams make sense, okay? Uh, remember that the information that it can be working off of is all of the email exchanges, all of these uh, right. internal social network interactions, and it can, from that, mm -hmm. spot uh, things that would otherwise not be immediately yeah. obvious to somebody who's just looking at an org chart. I think, you know, the idea of uh, organizational network analysis goes back several years, but when you use AI to mm -hmm. combine that with everybody's uh, skills profiles, you have an immense opportunity yep. to be able to uh, form project teams on an as-needed basis, taking into account people's relationships to each other, where what their aspirations are, all the things that would also benefit them mm -hmm. in terms of their skill development and how they can grow within that organization. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, I've looked at this in a slightly different lens in the project management world, or maybe I really should say in project-based business, because that's mm -hmm. that's the that's the effect, although it certainly would work internally too, but the idea of finding the right, you know, matching skills to tasks and roles in projects has always been a complicated thing. And a lot of the companies that specialize in project-based business have started to build in tools that'll do that for you that use AI. So that that actually does make a lot of sense to me and applied to the internal world as well, because it really does give you the capability to find um, the perfect fit or the near perfect fit to what you're trying to do. Um, one of the things you hinted at in there, though, and I, I and we didn't really talk about this, but um, but I am curious because I have seen things in education or in in training, I guess I should call it, about the idea of using chatbots to be able to tailor. Um, learning to an individual versus to a, a, you know, to a segment or a class or whatever. Is that absolutely. something that comes into play here too? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, for folks who really want to dive into this, I think Accenture is a great organization to look at this uh, in terms of this, as well as just what they're doing with AI in general. Uh, Accenture has a excellent approach to tailoring learning and development to the individual employees needs uh, that, that, one sends a signal to the employees that says this matters to us and so you know you're important and and we want to make sure we're investing in you to make sure that you have the learning and the and the training that you really need that fits with what you're doing and when we say tailored we're tailing to now there's a lot of debate about learning styles and things like that but whatever you want to call it okay the AI is, there's three things, I, I, the three P's about AI that I like to say, it's patient, okay? Meaning that, you know, if it tries something with you and you don't get it, it doesn't sit there and go like, what's wrong with you? It goes, okay, let's try something different, okay? Yeah. It's persistent. It will keep at it. It will never get exhausted, okay? And it will keep trying to help you. And three, it's, uh, I use the word panoptic, meaning that, it is mm -hmm. always on the lookout, okay? So instead of you having to rely on a, a, you know, an LMS system that you have to constantly go to and say, well, mm. is there new learning for me? Is there new learning for me? Or, or a mentor who's you know, having to take time out of their day to say, well, is this something that Mark needs to know about? You now have a, a, a never tiring system on the mm. lookout for you saying like, hey, I just found something for you. 
This might help you in this particular task because it knows what you're working on. It knows what you've learned before. And if you're willing to share with it, it knows, you know, a little bit about your background. What are your, um, you know, uh, what are things you like? What are things you don't like? And it can shape the learning and it can spot the learning for you in a very personalized, very tailored to your task uh, approach that will give you a lot of comfort and uh, and a feeling that, hey, this company is investing in me and mm-hmm. is helping me. And I have here this assistant that is just completely willing to like work with me endlessly. Yeah. I mean, it, it does change the idea of just-in-time um, learning quite a bit, right? I mean, and that's something I've looked at off and on for years around, you know, how do you educate uh, companies when they're going through change and they're adopting new systems and that sort of thing. And, you know, time after time, we've seen that if you train the person it, all up front, then you're going to lose most of it. But if you train them in increments when they need it, then it sticks. So that that actually makes it almost a prescriptive kind of just in time that can go, okay, you're going to have to take care of this next and you don't know how to do this. Here's what you need to know or whatever. Yeah. That's exactly really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, It gives everybody, it it gives the employee such satisfaction to say, I I needed, I didn't know this. I know it now. And I applied it. Okay. So I feel very comfortable in that. I really do know it because I used it to get this thing done. Yeah. Well, it's reinforced as you're learning it, then you get to reinforce it directly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, one of the other things that um, in the workforce we talk a lot and we have for several years talked about collaboration and how, uh, you know, we need to to come up with tools and ways to uh, encourage collaboration in the workforce. So I'm curious in this, in a, you know, in the context of a modern digital workplace, is there is there a way that you can use either traditional or generative AI to help? Uh, encourage that collaboration or even enable that collaboration? Oh, absolutely. Uh, This goes to something that's very near and dear to my heart, which is the importance of collaboration. I think uh, a lot of organizations, you know, pay lip lip service to collaboration, but uh, based on what we discussed already about a skills-based organization, if we look at it, employees as nothing but isolated bags of skills and not look at them as how they interact with each other to get things done, we're missing a big part of the picture. Uh, So collaboration is very important. And I worked on projects where uh, we took that to heart as both a way for people to become more effective and to increase performance by their collaboration, Mm. but also that it gave uh, the organization a better understanding of what their skills really were because of that collaboration. Mm. By observing how people interacted, you could infer who were the persons that were expert in this area mm. and so forth. So rather than just simple social network analysis where you looked at who interacted with who, you looked at what they were interacting about. Now, the next thing that that project worked on was to say, what are we collaborating on? What are we collaborating for? What's the purpose of this collaboration? And so we would introduce business objects into the conversation because that way mm-hmm. that acted as a magnet and the focus of why we were uh, collaborating. And that business object could provide information that would be useful for the uh, participants to look mm-hmm. at and to update and so forth. But it was very static, right? It, it didn't yeah. interact with us. Well, now 
with generative AI, generative AI, you can put an interactive front end on this that says, okay, I'm a participant and it identifies itself as a generative AI participant and now has the ability leveraging the other AI facilities of the system to go out there and access whatever business objects are needed to be able to mm. uh, participate in the conversation constructively. So now you have human, human, generative AI, all collaborating together to get things done. And you're leveraging all the individual participants' strengths. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, in the in the in the customer service world, that's one of the big benefits is using a virtual assistant to find things quickly for you when you're interacting with a customer. So why wouldn't that work internally when you're collaborating with a project team on you know some some issue that that generative AI virtual assistant can help bring the right information in at the right time to help you collaborate more effectively and and solve problems more quickly. That. That, that exactly. makes a lot of sense. And and that's a great use case. I, I, that's one I haven't really thought about that much, but but just that encouraging the the human machine team together to be able to solve those problems. Right. Yeah, very interesting. Well, so obviously incorporating these different tools in, you know, in your in your employee systems. Uh, has to create some challenges when when they're tr- going through the implementation and they're trying to get employees to use that. So, what what have you seen? I mean, how how do what kind of challenges are organizations looking at, and how do they get past those? How do they overcome them? So, one of the challenges that I've seen uh, from the past projects where we were just beginning to introduce these concepts of AI is uh, in, in two areas. One is employee trust. Okay. Do they feel that they can trust your organization with all this data that's being collected about them? And then there's this more nuanced uh, issue about uh, general change management. Um, it's touched on very well in this book called Power and Power and Prediction, that talks about how, just briefly, we we see lots of opportunities for individualized productivity gains. Okay, with using these virtual assistants and so forth. And so you can say, well, you know, we have 1,000 employees and they're each, you know, 20% more productive. But that does not make the organization 20% more performant, right? Because that it's the scale issue, right? There's a lot of other things going on in the organization that make it where you don't see that full 20% benefit. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to see a systemic change where the whole organization is benefiting from this, that's going to be disruptive. And that disruption includes changes in power, okay? Where Mm. decision-making that used to be done by some people in the organization is now gonna be done by other people in the organization. And the people who used to have that power are not going to be giving it up willingly. And so there's going to be either passive or even active resistance to these kinds of changes. So this is basically a real big change management issue if you want to see the big benefits from AI. Uh, you can find all kinds of these low-hanging fruit uh, case studies where, you know, for example, uh, you were talking about the customer service virtual assistant. Autodesk reported that when they introduced a virtual assistant to their customer service team, the average time for a resolution of an issue went from one and a half days to 5.4 minutes. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Now, 
you know, that's impressive. Okay. But you know, that's, that's easy to see how that could be done, right? That a mm -hmm. customer service rep could be that much faster at resolving an issue, but is that going to change Autodesk? You know, that's, you know, that's <clears throat> a change management issue. Yeah. Uh, well, so and it, it certainly changes the customer's experience and it makes the job of the employee themselves better. But but you're yeah. right. The broader look at how what impact does that have on the organization has to be uh, through a different lens. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So a big a way to um, address this is uh, there's a need for transparencies about what the mm -hmm. AI's capabilities and limitations really are as well. I think it's very easy. I think we see it today. There's already um you know blowback uh in terms of you know people going well i just don't see you know what everybody's telling me about generative ai or i don't see you know everything that everybody's telling me i'll get from ai and some of it is from what i basically just talked about but also some of it is just about people not looking at it through you know a new set of eyes about looking at other people's experiences and saying okay what can I learn from what they've been doing instead of me trying to mm. continue to use new technology through you know, an old approach? So uh, that's a, a big area. Another is, and this is, fits with my whole philosophy about employee experiences, you need employees to be involved and to provide feedback. You know, don't just throw the tool at them and say, okay, start using this and we expect you to be more productive by next week, right? It's like, no, it's like, okay, here's something that we are going to explain how it works, what it can do, what it can't do. And then we want you to try it out, tell us what you think and really find out from them, like where is it working and where is it not working? Also in this area of trust is do not give employees the feeling that they are training their replacements. Okay, if they feel like, you know, you're introducing this, you know, uh, generative AI and say, this is your virtual assistant. Um, and then you don't make sure that they understand that you're helping them to do their job even more effectively. So they become even more valuable mm -hmm. to the company. They're going to get the feeling like, <laughs> wait a minute, this virtual assistant is going to be potentially a replacement for me. Got to make sure that they trust that you're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. No, that that's great. I mean, that that's really helpful. And I, I, I mean, <clears throat> could definitely dig into this more. But I think um, honestly, we're we're running at the end of our time for today. So, I uh, I, I really want to thank you, Mark, for joining. It was a really good discussion. Uh, but before I let you go, the one thing that I really like to ask for of every guest is, could you recommend for the audience some somebody, a thought leader, an author, somebody, a mentor that's had influence over your career that you think would be beneficial to them? Sure. Uh, so I'm going to give you four and I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, each one that also is something for the audience to look into even further. Number one is Ethan Mollick. Uh, Sean, uh, who was on one of your other podcasts, uh, brought him up. Ethan Mollick is phenomenal on LinkedIn. Follow that person because he is constantly learning. He's very curious and he shares what he's found out. Uh, incredibly. Thanks. One of the things you just recently shared, which I think is very applicable to our discussion, is this notion that um, while we see all this AI changing so rapidly, the question that comes to mind is, when should I commit on an investment? Okay. Right. And he wrote a good post that refers to a, a paper that talks about 
the weight calculation, which is something to think about and consider, which is, is it the right time to invest in this thing or should I wait a little bit and I can save a lot of time because the technology will that will be that much further advanced. Now, I think we're all familiar with the notion of technical debt. And, you know, that this is it in a different form, but it's something to really pay attention to. Mm. The next person is Andrew Ng. Andrew Ng is, um, you know, well known and well regarded. And I think what I really like about him is he's very, um, very forthcoming and sharing. He's very relaxed. He's uh, an excellent teacher. So his Mm. courses on Coursera are phenomenal. And he's got a, a a lot of credentials and a lot of knowledge that backs it up. And uh, I think he's just an excellent source of of information. Uh, Ali Miller is another uh, excellent person to follow on LinkedIn. And then uh, last but not least is Connor uh, Grennan. Uh, He is really good uh, and is in a way very much like Ethan Malik in that he's uh, always checking out something new and and, and then he shares it with you. And he's got a very... excited uh, approach to things that is really infectious. Uh, so he's really good to follow as well. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> great recommendations. Thanks, Mark. And, and again, thank you so much for, for being here today. Thank you for having me. And that's the show for this week. Thank you all for joining. Remember to hit that subscribe button. And for more on AI and other software research reports and posts, check out the arianresearch.com slash blog and slash research reports. And don't forget to join us next week. I'm Michael Fawcett, and this is the Disambiguation Podcast.